SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. All right, welcome to another edition of the Conference USA Underdog Podcast on UnderdogDynasty.com, SB Nation's home for G5 football. Excited to continue the off-season series that we do every year where we bring in a beat writer who's uh, got extensive experience covering uh, one of the teams within Conference USA. And this time, it's uh, it's a familiar face for folks that have followed the site for a while. And Eric, it, it warms my heart to talk to this guy again. It, it warms my heart to see him doing well. Uh, Mr. Hunter Bailey of the Charlotte Observer. We're going to talk to him about some Charlotte 49ers football today. Uh, Hunter, thanks so much for making the time, dude. Of course, man. It's good to talk to you guys. It's been a while since we got to got a chance to chop it up. I know. What uh, What have you been up to now that uh, you know basketball season's wrapped up? Football's in spring mode now, so uh, you got the, got a summer to look forward to now. I know it, man. Been traveling this week. My brother graduated from. Air Force basic training, so we went down there to San Antonio. I tried to tried to link up with Jared, but did not realize he was still in Houston. But uh, yeah, just got back into Charlotte today, just hanging out, man. And what's what's three hours when football acquaintances remotely close, right, Eric? <laughs> I'm trying to think. What's the furthest I've traveled for a football acquaintance? I'll, I'll have to. I have to come back and rethink that one, but yeah, you know, I'll put you this way: if if I don't know if Hunter like gave Jared the heads up, because if he did, I would expect Jared to make that drive. Now, otherwise, I can't blame him because you know he's the one who's making the trip to Texas, right? They both are in the same state. I I put it on Hunter, but given the circumstances, probably gonna blame Thomas on this one. Man, Eric, we tried to get up last time too. We're, we got to make it happen soon. Need the Underdog Dynasty reunion. Man, listen, Joe, we'll come back to that, man. This dude was 15 minutes from my house, and you couldn't even catch up with him, man. He was doing his thing, so, you know. Yeah, Hunter, Hunter Bill is a popular <laughs> guy, man. That's all I'm going to say. He's a very, very popular individual. I'll leave it at that, so. Oh, I, I know. I have Twitter. I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> and, yo, yo, and freaking Emily Van Buskirk has seen this dude more than I have, so, you know. And I remember Hunter when he was just a puppy. So, uh, it's man, okay. I'm hurt. Emily's a real... Yeah, yeah, Emily is something. Uh, I'll leave it at that. If she's going to get pissed off if I mention her complicated trend quarter again. So, but anyhow, Joe, we'll, we'll get back to uh, uh, Charlotte football. Yeah, fair enough. We'll we'll dive into some uh, some Charlotte football questions here. So, Hunter, let, let's start with uh, head coach Will Healy. What's kind of the feeling surrounding him and his staff right now after there was so much positivity surrounding this team at the start of last season, um, particularly when they beat uh, Duke to start the season, but then dropped uh, three straight to, to end the year for a uh, final record of five and seven. And you kind of, you touched on a little bit there, the the highs and the lows of last season. When Healy came in in 2019, Charlotte goes seven and five in the regular season, gets that first bowl game. I mean, you guys saw it. It felt like, okay, like Charlotte's turning the page. Then we saw COVID year, which I, I don't really hold against Will and that group having six cancellations going two and four. And then you saw this past year starting off with a bang, beating Duke, spirits were high, sitting at four and two, going into the bye week. And then then FAU happened. Really from there, it was kind of just a downward spiral. I mean, they beat Rice. Rice struggled, you know, on and off last year, and they needed every second on the clock to come back against them and that was kind of the, their last win 
Um, so I, I think the feeling around Will Healy right now is that this is a really big year for him. Making the jump to the AAC, I think if they struggle this season, like you, you might not see Will Healy make that move with Charlotte to the AAC. I think it, this is a big year. And with the talents returning to this team, especially on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, you guys, you guys saw all the team needed last year was um, like a mediocre defense, and they definitely could have hit that six win and went bowling for the second time. So in some, in short, I would just say overall, this is a really big year for him. You think there's the potential for it to come to that point of Will Healy not being part of the program when they make the move to the AAC in 2023? Not necessarily to say like he would be fired. Um, I th- think that Will has the personality to make a jump, even if Charlotte isn't having a great year. Um, I think, I mean, he's done an incredible job at being the face of the program. But I do think that Mike Hill is looking for these on-field results to kind of continue trending up. And I think that, especially with so much of the team returning and them revamping the staff, I think that there is, I guess, maybe some increased pressure on this upcoming season with it being the last in Conference USA. I I don't want y'all to read too much into that. I'm like, this is it for him because I don't have any – hardcore insight on that but i do think that there is more pressure on this season for sure speaking of returning talent i think the the biggest name for even people that don't really follow this program closely that's coming back this year is quarterback chris reynolds uh obviously you've done a lot of writing talking about the legacy that he's created for himself as a 49er um do you have an insight on his goals for this year um knowing that this is going to be his last year in college ball Man, I I tried to write (laughs) Chris out last year. We talked preseason and he said he wasn't sure. So I wanted to write it like, okay, this is it for him just in case it was because I feel like he or felt like he kind of deserved that send off for all the time that he has put into Charlotte. So I got to figure out what to write, (laughs) write about Chris this season. With him returning, his main goal is to win. And that's, you know, it's cliche, but that was the main thing he told me about his decision to return him and Victor Tucker decided to come back with so many other fifth and sixth year seniors. They felt like they had unfinished business. And Chris in particular felt like if he were to be looking back 20 years down the road and say, man, like I had a shot and I didn't take it, he would be kicking himself. So to come back, I think there are like a couple of different ways that him and this offense can take the next step. And I really think that they need to kind of transition back to the dual threat with him. I mean, looking on 2019, when Charlotte did their the most of their damage on that five-game win streak, I believe he rushed for over 500 yards in that span. And that's been, I mean, we're, we're in 2022 now, so it's been quite a while. But I think that that aspect of the offense really has been irrelevant since then. They've brought in some other other quarterbacks for some, you know, like run packages and whatnot. But that dual threat element really hasn't been there for him. Solid insight. Uh, so on the defensive line, I know Charlotte just brought in uh, Brian Baker, um, who uh, had an impressive tenure there in the NFL, uh, coaching with the Indianapolis Colts, uh, as well as with the Carolina Panthers for a little bit there. Question for you, Hunter, who was the uh, defensive line coach prior to, to Baker? Uh, that was Marcus West, the, the infamous Marcus West. <laughs> was Was he... The coach who was uh, the guy who coached uh, Alex Highsmith and Larry Ogunjobi and those guys, or was it someone else? 
uh, someone else for Ogunjobi, and then someone else for three years of Highsmith's career. So Alex Highsmith uh, was under Glenn Spencer for a year, and he loved Glenn Spencer uh, when Brad Lambert was still a coach for the 49ers. I remember interviewing Alex. It's funny. funny story. He was actually the first player I ever interviewed when I was kind of getting into this. And uh, he was pissed because when Healy came in, they kind of cleaned out the staff and Marcus West came in. And at the time he was mad because he loved Glenn Spencer, but West and West's like defensive scheme, put him on the outside with the four, two, five. And then you saw 14 sacks and that drove him up the, up the draft board. Yeah. And uh, there's, there's those two guys, Highsmith and Ogunjobi have generated a lot of buzz uh, amongst folks covering the the pro game right now. Uh, so Charlotte quickly kind of building sort of a reputation for themselves in terms of producing high level defensive talent there. Uh, so what does that say about the task that's ahead of Baker here? Uh, when you combine that with the fact that Charlotte's defense, uh, especially against the run game last year was, was not good. For sure. I think that um, mainly before they need to worry about, developing pro level guys they just need to develop good college guys right now they struggled mightily last year coach bake has has been a fan favorite at practice he's a he's a lot different in terms of coaching style than marcus west you could hear marcus west halfway across campus uh mad mad at players frustrated and whatnot uh, bake is a little bit different and i haven't gotten a chance to know him yet i am looking forward to that but the players have responded well to, to his entrance. And I think they have increased talent on the defensive line this year. A lot of these guys are back for that fifth or sixth year. And then they have some, some young talent that saw a lot of playing time last year. I know it wasn't exactly productive playing time, but still seeing reps on the field, I think can be beneficial. And then they brought in uh, central Michigan's, defensive end transfers, Amir Sadiq, and Eric, I know you, I don't think you went to the Central Michigan game last year, did you? Uh, I did, sir. Oh, okay. That was a wild one. It was, yes. Amir Sadiq, good pickup for Charlotte, by the way. Continue on. Yeah, he's a a vocal guy. Uh, He's definitely excited to be out there, and I, I think he'll probably be the starting defensive end opposite Marquise Watts when September 3rd rolls around. Any other names on this team that maybe folks don't really know about yet, whether it's because they weren't in college or they just transferred in or just didn't get a lot of playing time uh, that you think are going to become, you know, household names in the, in the greater Charlotte area this year? Yeah, I'll do one offense and one defense. And we'll start on the defensive side of the ball. So Tank Robinson, he actually transferred to Charlotte last season and was a week one starter. Uh, He transferred in from East Carolina. I believe he had 77 tackles in his last year with the Pirates. And he transferred in, had a great spring, and rolling through minicamp, fall practice, and actually tore his bicep in week one against Duke and was out for the season. He's back, and I think that without a doubt, he's going to be the leader of this defense. He's definitely taken the step in the vocal department. been able to see that at practice and talk with him a little bit. Definitely watch out for Tank Robinson at safety. And then on the offensive side of the ball, I really think 
you can't go wrong with talking about Grant Dubose here. I know people know who he is, especially off the jump of what from last season, going for two touchdowns in his you know season and debut with the 49ers. But he is he's incredible. And watching him at practice every day, like there isn't a play that he takes off or a if he catches the pass, he's taking it to the end zone. It doesn't matter if it's a pat and go with a third or fourth string quarterback, like every rep is full speed for him. And I think that you're going to see a wild season out of Grant. I know there's a lot of excitement around him last season um, and, and watching him come in and kind of make the immediate impact he did was impressive to say the least. So you mentioned that, you know, you've been watching a lot of their spring practice. They're right in the middle of it as we're recording this. Uh, given what you've seen from those practices, what are you going to be watching for in the upcoming spring game? I am looking forward to seeing how the defense matches up. Defense has had so many reps together. I mean, literally a full season last year. They returned, I believe it's 90% of their production on offense. Three of the five offensive linemen, one of which returns uh, from 2020 from injury, John Jacobs. So I just, I'm mainly interested to see how the defense can compete against the offense because I think that, like I said, with the added chemistry and whatnot, the offense is going to be one of one of the best, most cohesive in the conference. So just to see how a new defensive coordinator, Greg Brown, kind of how his, his new scheme looks like for the 49ers and just overall how they can match up talent-wise. Hunter, you mentioned a little bit the move to the AAC that's coming up in 2023. Where do you think the Charlotte football program fits in the grand scheme of the new AAC? I think it's it's really exciting for them. In terms of a fit, I think they definitely have some work to do in terms of being competitive. Because if we're being honest, Charlotte is yet to really compete for a title in Conference USA. And I know that there's five other Conference USA teams moving over but there is, there is a lot of talent in the AAC. I mean, they're going to be moving in without a set starter at quarterback. There's going to be a lot of turnover, especially on the offensive side of the ball with Victor Tucker moving on after this season. They're going to have to find their bearings. Uh, they might might struggle a little bit early on, but I think that overall it's going to be a, like a great experience for them playing and really having that true in-state rival with East Carolina. I mean, they played App State a few times, I guess, 2020 now, and really not having another game with them until 2026 has kind of killed any of that in-state trash talk. So I think that having East Carolina is going to be wonderful for them um, playing. They're currently scheduled to play in 2023, I believe, So in the non-conference, so I assume that will get canceled. That will replace that game, but... I don't, I can't foresee them playing them twice. <laughs> no, I mean, certainly makes sense. I know we're all going to be sitting on pins and needles as we wait for, you know, this new look conference to, to take shape uh, next year. Uh, one more question for I toss it over to Eric for uh, see what, before we see what he wants to know about this year's Charlotte team. Um, we talked on a previous episode about the long, uh, the longest road trips that we've respectively taken for, uh, for work or otherwise. Um, would love to know hunter what's the longest distance you've driven to cover a game 
And then what's the longest distance you've driven in general? The longest distance I've driven in general is also the longest distance I've driven to cover a game. Um, I drove mm-hmm. to Champaign, Illinois last year. Uh, Charlotte was playing them. It was their second Power 5 matchup. And the the journey was a ton of fun, man. It was honestly all made possible by a professor that I had. Um, he's a statistician for ESPN. I'm going to shout him out now. Uh, John Tobias, appreciate you. He reached out to me kind of early in the week and asked me if I was planning on going. And the uh, there was going to be no funding from the Observer. So I was like, you know, I don't really know. I'm kind of in a bind in terms of getting time off of work and whatnot. And he pretty much was like, look, if you can get credentialed for the game, let me know. So then and there I applied. The next day he reached out and said, let me know what kind of travel plans you want and I'll, I'll help accommodate. And man, that, that was a blessing. And that's actually, I met Emily uh, the week before when Middle Tennessee came to town. And I realized immediately that wherever she went, chaos kind of followed. That was a hell of a game. <laughs> And so I was like, damn, okay. So I drive and she told me that she was going to be covering, I believe it was Cincinnati, Notre Dame. So I drive to Indianapolis to kind of break up the trip a little bit. That was about nine hours from Charlotte. And I put on Twitter when I get to Indy, it was like, hey, you know, driving the rest of the way to Champaign tomorrow, but stopping in for the night. She immediately texts me and it's like, hey, we're in Indy too. Let's, let's meet up. Come to find out, she's with Joey Chestnut, the hot dog eating world champion. That that was wild. They they were a, a wild group of people, and uh, we all went out that night. The next next morning, I got up, had to take some ibuprofen before I drove to Champagne. Getting there, man, that was an awesome experience. Uh, it was a hell of a game, and Charlotte was honestly the better team for three quarters. And, was not able to get it done for that second second power five victory of the season. But ended up driving back, stayed in Louisville the next night. I didn't do anything in Louisville. I was I was dead by the time I got there. And then made the seven hour drive back to Charlotte the next day and then got to a wedding that night, man. It was a hell of a weekend. <laughs> yeah, that uh that sounds like life in your early twenties. Uh that's that's <laughs> wild. Uh or if you're just Emily Van Buskirk in general, right? <laughs> Right, Eric. Yeah, uh, Hunter. Um, I, I, I'm. Hey, I'm glad you had to feel it out for yourself. But I could have told you. Um, I too have had the pleasure of being out with Emily Van Buskirk the night before covering the <laughs> game, and uh, the day of the game was was long. So yeah, I, I can. Uh, I can, We'll leave it at that. We're you know. Um, I'm gonna let her know. Uh, wherever Emily Van Busker goes, chaos uh, ensues. That's probably gonna be on her uh, on her tombstone. Um, all right. So let's let's jump into some Charlotte football here. I think one of the biggest questions on my mind, Hunter, defensively. You talked about it a little bit with the new defensive coordinator. I just want to revisit the situation with Brandon Cooper and Marcus West. Obviously, when you have co-defensive coordinators, as I can attest, covering FIU, it's always a bit of a unique situation normally you know for our listeners who may not know um not gonna say this is the case with every co-dc or co-oc situation but normally you have one defensive coordinator who calls the plays the other one is just kind of there to support that's what it was with fiu over um not the past two years but the the year before the the two years before the 2021 season with uh jeff cop and jared cruzy so hunter can you 
give me a little bit uh, inside to that dynamic with uh, Marcus West, Brandon Cooper. Um, you know, maybe did that somewhat kind of contribute to some of the struggles over the past two years? Yeah, I, I think so. So Marcus West uh, called the plays from the box up in the booth, and then Brandon Cooper would do some of the signs down the sideline. And kind of what I understood about the whole thing was there would be a lot of indecisiveness from West that would create lack of communication to Cooper late, like late in the snap cadence, audibles on the defensive side of the ball. And then that's when you saw Charlotte failing to get lined up, Charlotte not knowing what was going on. And then I think you saw 12 or 13, I think it actually was 14 opponents uh, putting up career highs against the defense. I think that overall the co-defensive coordinator system was was a major struggle for them, and I think we kind of saw it unravel in that in that last six games. Um, they moved on from Eddie Hicks, the cornerback cornerbacks coach, and then Brandon Cooper, the co DC and safeties coach, right after the season. And it was I was confused for a while. They they brought in guys like Jay Bateman, a former defensive coordinator from North Carolina, Dave Huxtable, who was at NC State for a while and is now serving as an analyst for Alabama, and couldn't really couldn't really get a deal done. Um, they talked with Glenser, he was the former DC under Brad Lambert, uh, but Spencer ended up joining Lambert at Wake uh, following the conversation with Will Healy, and I think that overall Charlotte couldn't like nail down a direction. And Marcus West ended up going to the NFL. He's now an assistant defensive line coach with the Buffalo Bills. And when he left, I think that was kind of like, okay, this is this is happening fast. We gotta we gotta do something. And that's when they kind of brought in. I think they were trying to go in a similar direction with Greg Brown that they were with Dave Huxtable, a coach with a ton of experience that's done it at both the college and the pro level, and overall just an older more veteran mindset and level of experience the staff yeah it's funny you mentioned dave huxable certainly a name i have a familiarity with i believe he was at ucf my freshman year uh yeah i think it was was freshman in college so definitely remember dave huxable and i think that'd be interesting as well glenn spencer who i believe is at wake forest right now so obviously not too far down the road from Charlotte. So interesting to hear his name kind of come from the equation as well. Hunter, I want to keep it on the defensive side of the ball and start. Uh, as you um, mentioned, when we talked with Joe, you know, uh, some of the lineage at Charlotte as far as defensive linemen being successful and someone who seemed to be on, on the path of being that next great defensive lineman at Charlotte, um, but it's had some struggles. Marquise Watts, how good is he? I think you know what you got with Marquise um, he's a rather rather small defensive end. I think he would probably fit better as a linebacker, but he his get off off the you know, defensive line is unbelievably fast. He's quick, but I think that you saw the maybe the best season that he'll have at Charlotte when Alex Highsmith was opposite him. I mean, when you have a third round talent on one side, they're looking at the double teams. You're getting the you know, one-on-one every play or most plays at least. And that's where you saw his nine and a half sacks come from. He struggled with injury in 2020. And then he got off to a decent start in 2021, but he really kind of kind of fell off late in the season. Um, I don't, if I had to give him like an overall on Madden or maybe this new NCAA, I would say like an 80. 
I think that he may be like be better as a linebacker, but I think that at least in this defense, he will stay at the defensive end position. But Marquise is fast and he's he's just undersized. And I think that kind of played a role against him in this past season because Charlotte really has struggled with pass rush since Alex Highsmith graduated. I mean, you think 2020, I believe they had in six games, they had five sacks. And last year, I don't even remember the total, but it wasn't anything consistent. I want to get to the offensive side of the ball here. And again, you know, you and Joe talked about Grant DeBose, obviously Vic Tucker coming back. You know, he's a favorite of mine, certainly a South Florida native. Um, but I want to go to the tight end spot. Taylor Thompson, you know, he's a kid who had an interesting true freshman year. I believe was a all-conference um, or all-freshman all uh, performer as a true freshman. Uh, had a nice year last year. Didn't necessarily reach the same output in terms of receiving yards, but still uh, was a force. It's a two-part question. One, um, what can you expect from him? And then, B, what can we expect from the tight end position in the offense? For sure. So Taylor tore his, his ACL and his MCO against Rice um, late late in the season. I think that was like fourth to last game or something like that. And that obviously cut his, his season short, but Taylor is Taylor's dynamic. I'm on record of saying that he's the best tight end in Charlotte history. So don't let me down Taylor, but um, he's recovering right now. He just started running again and I think he'll be good to go when the season gets rolling, but I haven't gotten to see him in, pads or anything yet obviously two there are two that i do like jake clemens is one of them he actually caught a touchdown in miami against fiu last year and he's six foot five big dude i think he's the tallest in the room and it's kind of coming together for him this year interested to see more reps with the ones and whatnot how that plays out and they have uh, bryce kennan they're they're both fiery man they've They've been in some tussles at practice, not with each other, but with the opposing defense. And then there's one incoming freshman, Jake McTaggart. He's finishing his final semester of high school right now. I think he's playing basketball, or I guess he was playing basketball. I guess that's over now. But when he when he enters, I'll be interested to see kind of how he matches up. He's really long, probably the biggest vertical threat of the three that are healthy right now. Yeah, I mean, Hunter, part of the reason I asked you the question about the tight ends was because down in Miami, you mentioned Jake Clemens catching a touchdown, Taylor Thompson caught one, and uh, Ryan Carrera also caught one as well. So, you know, definitely down there on the goal line, those tight ends were certainly a factor. So it's interesting to see what kind of the progression may be with the position that offense. Want to um, take it to the special teams. That's as a spot that I know has been a source of consternation with some Charlotte fans. Shout out to 1010. Uh, of course, even 1010 <laughs> comes in my city and he can get up with me, but Hunter Bailey can't, but we'll say that for now. Uh, Hunter, well, the special teams, uh, what's kind of, you know, the the view um, of the special teams as a whole? We know John Cruz, of course, you know, he's kind of a proven commodity, but what's the, the view of the special teams as a whole entering 2022? For sure. So Coach Hancock is back, the special teams coordinator, and I thought he did a really, really good job last season. And if you would have told me last year that, like, if I had to put my life on the line of Charlotte not getting a punt blocked, I I would be dead. Like it, there was no way that I was going to believe that because they had struggled with that for so long, but they brought in Bailey Rice, um, it's an Australian kicker. And whether it's the rugby style rollout, the fast release, or just a better blocking scheme, Charlotte did not have a block punt last season. 
the and the punt coverage was really really good um pretty much all of the punt returners are back and i think like vic tucker is dangerous back there but i think he's so valuable on offense and then struggled with two concussions last year that i think you keep him off of special teams so i'll be interested to see who that who that returner is they've put giovante howard back there they've even had grant dubose back there henry rutledge I, I would like to see Henry get some snaps. Uh, he's deep on the depth chart at running back, but that kid can play. As far as Jonathan Cruz is concerned, I like Cruz. I'm glad he's he's back this year. But they did bring in this guy, Braden McAllister, and he he's going to push Jonathan. I don't really think there's been serious competition for Cruz at all in the past two to three years. Like his his numbers have dwindled every every season, I believe. I think last year was more of an up year, but there was a lot of inconsistency. I do like Braden McAllister. I think that Cruz is still going to be the guy, but Braden could potentially be that specialist for maybe onside kicks or anything like that. But overall, special teams still trending up. And they got Shad Bird returning kicks, and he had a really good season last year at that, winning a special teams player of the week. I think that was the FIU game. Yeah, no, I, I believe you're correct on that one. Uh, Hunter, before we get ready to close this one up, I'm going to ask you, because listeners of our podcast know we like to have a little fun. Joe got one, got his in there, his one question in there about your travels. Uh, I want to ask you first, what is the most memorable press conference that you've attended? You know, again, when I met you, you were a puppy, uh, just getting started in the game, and now you've got, you know, a few years of experience under your belt. What's the most memorable presser you've had in your time covering the 49ers? It doesn't matter what sport it is. So two come to mind, one good, one bad. I'll start with the bad. Um, it was after that they were both in this past season, so maybe this is recency bias, but I don't know. After the FAU game, Charlotte led that game at half, 9-7, to seven, and lost that game, like, 38 to seven or something like that didn't score in the second half, but losing that game 38 to seven, like that post game, Will Healy was one of the most, it, it was a, it was a weird experience. He walked in the media room and he's one of those people that's never too high or too low. And you could just tell like the feeling around the media room was not good. And he walked in and it's like, man, y'all don't have to feel bad for me. Like, let's get this started. Ask me the tough questions. And no one, no one really said anything, and that's, that's kind of how it was. So I led into it, and I pretty, I think I asked every question. And uh, one, I asked them about the second half feeling, you know, going into the half, leading nine to seven. And his response was, "It felt like Willie Taggart had the keys to his soul in his hand, and was just watching him from across the field." <laughs> I don't know what it was, but like that. Like the way that he said it and the energy that he spoke with was like, man, like I, like that was tough. We're going to transition to something happier than that. One, one thing I did last year, and I'm probably going to do it again this year and actually try and make something of it. Is I asked players their pregame rituals and uh, pregame music and whatnot. And it was Tyler Murray and Chris Reynolds were the, the two players made available. And Tyler Murray has since transferred to Memphis, but, Tyler's hilarious. And I, I asked Tyler, you know, what, what was his pregame music? I think he responded like Lil Baby, Future, J. Cole, something like that. I think it was Lil Baby. And then uh, I asked Chris, and Chris laughed and asked Tyler what Tyler thought that Chris listened to pregame. And it gets kind of quiet for a second, and Tyler leans up and just goes, 
just a small town girl. <laughs> <laughs> we lost it, man. And just like the energy during the week with that team, like they were always goofing around, always laughing. So that that's probably been my favorite too. I think I, I think I had to cut my audio recording just entirely because everyone was everyone was laughing. Hunter, really quick before I get to my my other question, um, remind me, didn't Tyler Murray pull the prank on Will Healy that he was transferring last year? He did. So when it happened this year, it, <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Hunter. It kind of felt like he pulled a prank on me. Like we, I know he didn't. I, Tyler is a good dude, and I'm cheering for him this season, but. Right after the right after the season, I texted him and was like, "Hey man, let's if you're going to the league, let's do an interview and kind of get the draft buzz going." Because I think Tyler can be a next level player. Um, and he responded, and "Was like, man, I'm coming back. Like we have one more year. I don't like how it ended. I'm looking forward to coming back." I was like, "All right, cool. Let's set up an interview." We do an interview, talk all about him returning as a captain, what the work he was going to put in, the struggles from last year. And I post the story like senior captains coming back. Great way for Charlotte to start the offseason. And then like two weeks later, he's like, man, I'm in the transfer portal. And I was like, oh. <laughs> oh man. Okay. No, I I I've I've had a similar experience, Hunter. So uh, it's uh it's growing pains, man. Here was the other question. You know, Joe will know that we like to do something music of music or food related. Um, so I'm gonna let you pick. You want music or food? Let's go music. Top five artists right now. Oh, top five artists right now. I'm gonna go with Cole, Lil Baby. Mac Miller's probably my favorite of, of all time. So I don't know if you can call that right now, but no, that's, that, that's, that's cool. That works. Sheesh. Need to pull out my phone. I'm stumped. It's fine. We'll edit out the dead air. <laughs> I feel like you can never really go wrong with Drake. And then I'm gonna round it out. I'm gonna give you a weird one. <laughs> My chemical romance. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Middle school. Hey man. Nothing wrong with the black parade. You know, when your Dude. father takes you into the city to see a marching band, you gotta you gotta step up. Yeah. Dude, I, I wanted to <laughs> I see I don't know them. what I'm talking about. No, no, that was a great, great line, Joe. I wanted to see them so bad when they were they were touring in twenty twenty and then that, that got canceled. So rip to that and I guess. Oh well. And with that, Joe, uh, we'll pass it back to you, sir. So I'd say four out of those five. No, no, no you know what? I'm, you know, I got enough faith in you. I'd say three out of those five, you, you'd probably be somewhere in your repertoire. <laughs> Eric just found out who uh, Phil Collins was like last year. So like, don't. That's <laughs> <laughs> not, 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 come on, Joe. Joe, I'm not going to slander me real quick with the sneakiest <laughs> into the podcast. It wasn't I didn't know who Phil Collins was. There were certain, okay, so Hunter, for all our listeners and you, Hunter, Really quick. Anytime I'm in Publix, there's always be- like low-key bangers, right? But they're from the 80s. So I got to do the Shazam to figure out what am I listening to. Nine times out of ten is Phil Collins. So yep. I, I know the major Phil Collins hits, right? But the deep cuts, I, I didn't know. So that's what it is, Mr. Londrigan. I'm not going to let you slander me with I didn't know Phil Collins was a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> I worked up at Publix for a brief stint uh, early in college, and I I know exactly what you're talking Thank about. You. Thank you. If, if you're ever with shopping is a pleasure, it is a pleasure. And it makes me wonder what they were playing in 1986, because in 2022, they are playing 1986 greatest hits. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, love when we get to talk music on here. It's always enlightening. 
Uh, but lots to look forward to for the Charlotte football program. Uh, lots to bounce back from after uh, last year. But uh, if you want to follow that journey, uh, follow Hunter Bailey on Twitter and uh, check out his stuff in the Charlotte Observer and uh, also does some stuff for us on, on UDD occasionally. So keep an eye out for that. Hunter, thank you so much for your time, man. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to you very soon. All right, so thank you all so much for uh, listening once again. If you want to follow Eric and myself on Twitter, it's at Eric C. Henry underscore and at J-O-E-H-I-O underscore. And, uh, of course, at Underdog Dynasty on Twitter for more G5 football updates every day. And uh, subscribe on Apple if you haven't already. Leave us a review. We'd love to know what you think, especially for Eric and uh, Hunter's music taste here. Uh, happy football, everybody. We'll talk to you very soon.